Hey listeners, you're tuning in to a podcast about kids in the hall that easily veers off into mature subject matter and includes a whole heck of a lot of swearing. Enjoy the show, eh? Welcome to Kith and Tell, a podcast about surviving a very sexist dystopian nightmare set in the third <laughs> millennia. We will be reviewing every episode with witty banter and unmissable segments like Best Kid, Worst Kid, and How to Further Isolate Your Potential Fan Base, now with Reaction Podcasts. <laughs> I'm Stuart DC, and I am joined by Kalina McCordoff in London, England. I'm floating without my earthly trappings. <laughs> On Sideman in Prince Rupert, Canada. <laughs> I knew it was coming and I was just waiting for it. And Trevor Record, it also in Vancouver, Canada. Can you free just one hand? How much trouble could I get into with just one hand? <laughs> Historically, Trevor, quite a bit. So we'll be reviewing episode five of season four, which aired on 1993. We'll kick off with our sketch rundown. Yeah, I'm sorry, we have the dates. We have the dates. Oh, we have the dates. I'm not going to do it. It's not nope, your episode. Nope. Yeah. This we've got uh, newscasters. In one of the weakest cold openings we've ever seen, yep. some local newscasters make a joke that the local weather person is not, in fact, God. And the only thing that was funny about it was Scott was unnaturally tall, I guess. I kept waiting for a joke. Mm. Next, we have <laughs> emergency room, practical jokers. Dave demonstrates yes. you can prank him. You can prank him so hard, but to be the <laughs> ultimate jokester, you got to be prepared to pay the ultimate price. <laughs> I didn't remember this one. It is, I got some belly laughs out of it. Ah, uh, yeah. It is gross, though. Yep. Perks. Queer content. Scott <laughs> wrestles with the ethics of accepting the perks of fame, such as helping poor, unnaturally beautiful men achieve their goal of fucking a celebrity. <laughs> then yep. they wrestle greasily. It's great. <laughs> Out-of-body experience. Things can go sideways when there's tension over the neck of the turkey. <laughs> Featuring the Bruce mom from Potato Salad, now with extra March Simpson energy. <laughs> mix, mix, I, stir, stir. You know, I, I really sort of <laughs> interpret her as more of like a rockabilly mom. You know, like just the rockabilly ladies that kind of dress up like it's the 1950s ironically. Mm. I have such a hard time with Bruce female characters because they feel like caricatures of caricatures. And I can't tell if that's the joke or if he just sucks at knowing women. Both. No, it's just just <laughs> over the top, man. I love it. I love it. And like all of the, I mean, I know he always does like the tongue out of the mouth, but this one was particularly good. He also does this hair touch, like where he kind of yes, like yes, touches yes. the back of his neck. Yes. Like, oh. Also, the voice is identical to Flying Pig, and uh, say what oh, you will no! about women. Oh <laughs> no! so much now. <laughs> Uh, actually, in the script transcript, it says that Sex Girl Patrol is next, but in the one that we watch on the Canadian broadcast through CBC, Sex Girl Patrol is last, and So Says You is next. And So oh. Says You is a night time, a bed, family bed time, no, it doesn't sound right, a marital bed <laughs> sketch that we've seen before, like with Salty Ham, but with Kevin and Dave as the wife. Showing us that when things get tough, maybe the only solution is to go away for a while, hang out with some loose women, and maybe, God willing, return someday. I thought it was funny. Everyone else thought it was gross. I like, finally, I like, I like that you called it a family bedtime sketch, though. That's... Yeah, but I mean, that's not inaccurate, but then I felt weird about it, especially mm. when I had to follow up with Sex Girl Patrol. Yeah. The world is a dark, unshrouded place, and film is light. 
the kids illuminate us with the panacea and it's straight from the sex high council mm. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna talk about this one because it's excellent and memorable but also very gross Stu, so oh, <laughs> Stu I want to take a moment just to applaud your okay. delightful sketch rundown those were those were delightful uh, Thank re- you. recaps of all of the sketches that was great oh that's very kind get on Twitter <laughs> <laughs> make us those gifts so- <laughs> 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 oh, just redline my audio excellent so segment one let's dive in with tonal shift this is a weirder segment but it's something that really jumped out to me watching this one uh, first of all, the season has way more gore and death. We have emergency room practical Joker. We have with an actual body count, along with a uh, grievous head injury and an, like a bloody IV, which made me flinch a little bit. <laughs> and we have out of body experience, which features two potential deaths between Bruce and the next door neighbor, Lady Dave. So I was noticing that like we've we've seen this shift where it's getting a little edgier. I assume it's because they have a little bit more clout with HBO and CBC at this point. They can be a bit more experimental. But more than that, I felt in out-of-body experience, the show took on a bit more of a ensemble role. In the past, we've talked about how the episodes feel very much like a direct translation from a stage show. You can usually tell which members wrote it. The cameras tend to be a lot more static and they play out kind of like they'll have shot reaction shot, but it tends to be pretty set. These ones have a lot more motion, and I notice the characters feel less like two of the members wrote it and everyone else has to play it, and then they got to write their own jokes. Like, Kevin gets to Kevin really hard in <laughs> so out-of-body hard. experience. <laughs> um, Bruce does his usual lady mom, maybe flying pig. Uh, Mark kind of fills in the gaps, and Scott just flourishes as the maddest dad who's ever dadded. So I wanted to know, like, did you guys feel a kind of similar thing? I feel like we've seen pockets of it being more explored in like the western Esterhazy lysis party and like the mm. the bruce's video experiments like the um, the toupee guy but this one just felt like it was a normal skit with a very different flavor to me well i wonder you mentioned like oh this is now they're they're in their own element after being with hbo for a while but this is the season where they switched over to cbs so i like there could be a part of it too where you know, you change. Uh, like I don't know Wait, how they they got dropped by HBO at this point. Yeah. Yes. So season four, the, season four was their first one with CBS. Yeah. So okay. So this is actually nice to talk about because this is also the first one that I can remember that has a hard f bomb in it, where Scott goes, oh, "His dream of fucking a celebrity." Oh. Yeah. And you 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 would think they would have more oversight in that case. But you never know. Maybe they just bleeped it too, because there have been there have been versions, and you know, maybe we'd have to troll through some. YouTube uh, versions of this because there have in the past when I've had to try find them off of CBC different versions mm-hmm. albeit usually they're the sweary ones and CBC tends to censor them but I don't know but notably they didn't censor them on the CBC the fuck the CBC website that we watch it off of well exactly yeah. yeah quote unquote yeah. official yeah and so my under- my understanding and I could be I could be wrong about this but that it was like it, you know it's it's filmed in Canada and and uh, and produced you know, for and by CBC, but then it was, it was like CBS and HBO were their kind of American distribution partners. So I don't think it was like necessarily mm. so much, a uh, they were pulling the strings from, you know, New York so much as it was like, here's this weird Canadian thing and we just send it to you. But I do, I do wonder though, given that this is the switch between HBO and CBS, whether they, you know, trying to, 
you know, hit a different audience in the States, you know, as opposed to just like, hey, here's a weird Canadian thing. But like, oh, we're now on a mm. cable network or not a cable network, but like a, a major network in the States, you know, whether they might try to change the way they kind of set up their sketches or the, the kind of gags that they were going for so that it might be more, they might get more laughs out of that more mainstream audience. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. And so like some of these, Michael's... like some of these site gags and stuff like that, like th this is going to sound, well, it, it sounds to me like criticism because I can't stand the show, but it kind of, it's like, <laughs> and especially considering it's CBS, but it's like, it's a little bit of the, like going to the, um, Oh God, what's that show? I hate with the Bazinga guy. Um, Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it, there's a little bit more when you go for more of those like sight gags or like just the like, you know, the blood and the, and the like piss on the floor. It's like the Bazinga of kids in the hall, you know, a little bit. Ooh, I'm not sure how I feel about that, actually, because the, the I, th I think what's offensive about the Bazinga thing is that it's so milk toast. Like a lot of the jokes tend to be very unchallenging. And I mean, the big problem with Bing, Bing Bong Theorem is that <laughs> it is a show about nerds that is making fun of nerds, not for nerds. Did you just call it Bing Bong Theorem? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm never going to call it anything but that from now on. That's great. <laughs> Um, I, I don't know. I feel like we're giving too much credit to the station, like, distribution change in the U.S. Like, I feel like this this feels like a natural evolution of just their own production value. I think the jokes are the same. I could see the exact same thing happening in a, you know, a static uh, camera set. Because, like, I, mm -hmm. all, all, of the, all of the sort of thematic family dysfunction is all there, and we've seen it all before. It's just now, I, mm -hmm. I, I mean, it still taps into the darkness of it. Like, I mean, as we've said time and time again, Scott is so good at being an, an abusive macho man. It's... <laughs> It's a, you think you're it's big, big enough to take the neck from your own man? <laughs> so triggering. Like, so he, didn't even, triggering. he didn't even look at him either. He's just, Kevin's just sitting there cowering the whole time. And just and and Bruce playing like if we, if you were to take this as like the dark side of the salty ham couple of like Fran and uh, when Bruce Bruce plays a dad, Gordon. Yeah. yeah, Gordon. I mean, Gordon. they kind of Gordon. they're they're kind of like doing it for the laugh. This is like this is tense shit. <laughs> this is tension yeah. and it's it very much i think just fits into what they do it's just it's just better production and like you know i was even thinking when they shone the blue light on uh bruce's face when she's choking <laughs> yes. on the turkey neck i'm like ah That's they're, grim, just right? <laughs> they're working with what they've got well okay so i think it's interesting because i hans i really appreciate that little bit of research there because i didn't know that they made the shift i think michael's is still being credited and i think it might does it still have the hollywood video yeah, like I say, I think I stuff? think I think it's all being produced the same way. It's like it, like I said, I think I my my understanding is that it was all being like filmed and produced up in Canada, and that really it was just <laughs> it was just who their distribution partner was in the states. So it was HBO at first, and then it became CBS. But I I do wonder if they shifted at all their I don't know the the focus of their of any of their gags to hit that audience a bit better. I was thinking less than shifting to meet a new audience. I was thinking maybe it could be like they would have more negotiating power with the studio because they went from HBO. And so instead of being like, oh, this is this risky kind of sketch show and they're dumping like as minimal resources into it as possible to like, look, we have this thing. Not a lot of people like it, but some people like it. Just let us do whatever. And CBS was like, fine, fuck it, whatever, go. Yeah, it could be. Like it, it seems to have less oversight despite being more broadly distributed. All right. As a side note, I also I love that little moment where 
uh, it's not Fran, whatever Bruce's character's name is, spits the turkey nut out, and Scott's dad catches it in his hand yeah. without blinking. Yeah, he just, I, yeah, he's like still meat on it, takes faced. a little zesty bite yeah. of it. Also, yeah. also, <laughs> just like right, right before he gives her the neck, and he starts saying how grateful he is for his family, and says, "She's, you're still just the beautiful barefoot thirteen year old I married." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> oh, I missed yeah, that. Yeah. Wow. Oh yeah, that one gross. was gross. But then I realized the math didn't add up, right? Because he was like, "You're almost six. You're a sixty year old housewife. Oh yeah, that's We've been right. Married twenty nine years." Yeah. So he waited, but gross. Wait, wait. Maybe, maybe it wasn't thirteen. Maybe it was thirty year old. No, he said thirteen year old barefoot. So I think, I think they were doing the like, ah, I saw you when you were but a child, and when our love blossomed, which is a very Americana thing that we now do not reflect as kindly no. upon. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's funny. So let's move on to Sex Girl Patrol. Colon, how to pitch a porn to your friends and have them not respond well. There's a lot to talk about here. There's a lot to talk about. So in my mind, Sex Girl Patrol is one of the best kids in the hall sketches. We talk about it a lot. We've thought about it at the start of this project. Uh, Watching it again, it's a hard sell. Like if this was the first... If you were like, man, hello, stranger on the street. Thank you for making eye contact with me. I would like to talk to you about our gospel kids in the hall. And you showed them this first. I think that would be weirder than the thing I just I, I think you have to already be indoctrinated into the kids yes. in the hall cult. But also, unfortunately, it's not something that benefits with rewatching. Like, you can only see it for the mm-hmm. first time one time. So it is not as raucously funny as I remember it being the first time I saw it. And you can't show someone who's never seen the show it either. So they have to already like the show, and they can only really heartily enjoy it once. Watch yeah. it once. Yeah, this yeah. is this is this is a sketch that you have to already be like the kids in the hall OT seven uh, to like be exposed <laughs> to. You know? It's a one time ritual. But, ha- <laughs> yeah. but having said that, I still kind of love it. Like I still think it's kind of indispensable, even though it's so limited in its scope of there's impact, just a lot of weird you know? things about it like first of all it's a movie by a, a white rastafarian and it's pitched I'm, okay, as an just, interview not, we we should not be giving mark any props but like thank no. god he stayed white in this jesus <laughs> christ <laughs> yeah well i think yes. that like we won't say we won't say shit about it and you don't have to yell at us <laughs> i i think that like a layer of this was like in the 90s, there were just a lot of very obnoxious white Rastafarians, too. Like, that that was a thing yeah. that you, you encountered more back then. Am I wrong in saying that? True. No, that sounds no, about right. No, I think it, maybe not even though there was more white Rastafarians, but more like it was an easily accessible character trope, yeah. right? And Mark loves him a caricature. And I think he does a pretty good does job. He? I like his, his Rasta he? accent. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not an amazing character, but he's like consistent and he has a couple of funny lines. Like, I like the way he's like very sexy. Like, <laughs> he's got some good emphasis, you know? I did, I did very much like the line when he's being interviewed uh, by the journalist and she's like, Sex Girl Patrol, the title is very sexy. She's like, thank you. Yeah, very, very sexist, sexist film, yes. <laughs> very sexist. Very sexist. 
Uh, I like I like the moment where he's getting interviewed and he's like the sex high council, which of course is in <laughs> yeah. space. Yeah. And everyone's, like she just kind of like nods along, like, oh yeah, no, obviously. Yeah. Oh dear. There's a lot of like good cutaways to like the bad director, where it's just like, wait, why did the caveman come in? I don't understand. And he was like the caveman. Ha ha ha! That is the one thing I fought with the studio for. <laughs> One of my favorite parts is right at the end when they're having the wrap-up orgy scene. It cuts to the director who then strips into beige tight, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like a beige yeah. slinkini and just gets mm-hmm. in there. I I was happy about that. I know we haven't we have yet to confirm with the kids who wrote this sketch and perhaps uh, someone mm. could do some uh, research on mm. that. But uh, I mean, to me, it seems clear. If if Mark didn't write it, someone was very generous giving him all of the characters because he did get to reprise what is famously Stu's favorite preacher character here. Right, and we get we get Cyber Future Preacher. And when I first watched this one last night, I thought they reused the stained glass from the earlier set. They totally did. And then I realized, didn't they? no, they did a new one because it's a cyber stained glass oh, because the space. guy has too much money. Because <laughs> uh, I thought, I was like, oh, they reused it. That's cute. And they just gave him a, a new like cyber collar for his preacher character. And it was like, no, no, they went and built a whole new set. That's that's fantastic. Um, I just did uh, some very brief research here, and it does appear that it is a Mark uh, sketch, um, ah. um, which makes sense considering that he is both the director, the preacher, and also one like a, Moni- yeah. a Monique sex girl. Sort yeah. of oh, yes. yeah. yeah. Which, can I just say, I thought it was very amusing that the names for the sex girl patrol uh, members were uh, Monique, Ginger, and Trudy. Like, Trudy, one of these things feels like it's not like the others. You know Maybe I mean? Trudy like, was hotter in the 90s. Well, that's what Maybe I was I'm wondering. Gonna... But, like, I have an aunt named Trudy, and I can't I can't square the oh, idea. So I get it. I can't yeah. square the idea of a sex girl patrol and a Trudy. Trudy's you know? like an old school German name. Well, it's, okay. <clears throat> the fact that this is ba- they're, they're doing their work in Dusseldorf, which is not a very yeah, funny true. town. <laughs> Not not very funny oh the germans but um yeah i (laughs) i i have to which is funny too because germans are such sex weirdos that's fantastic well i mean i've been learning more about this don't ask me how but (laughs) but apparently outside of berlin they're very conservative so i can understand why sex girl patrol was sent down to dusseldorf you know Mm. what i i have embarrassed myself i was just (laughs) focusing on the the very sexy Divide it down. <laughs> yeah, I, the, my favorite thing about this sketch, and I hope everyone agrees, is Kevin. As, I, as I, sex I love boy, yeah. Picked, they picked Kevin so... to be the okay. the one human. I'm assuming they're human being who the sex girl patrol relies on for their they own need to sex absorb powers. his sex. Pa- yeah, his sex energy. <laughs> Sorry, well, he they need sex nourishment from their his sexual energy. <laughs> but okay, but like the sex girls are like porn star tropes and we get a lot of really good gags about them just sexily reacting to things the dave reaction to the videotape made me laugh every time it's like but we must (laughs) but the kevin character is like a weird baby like a weird horny baby yeah he's an extremely literally literally the first time you see him he's lying on a bed surrounded by these women sucking his thumb like in his underwear i I like to think that it's just like he's the distillation of not even sexiness but horniness he's just pure horny energy 
Oh, right, right, okay. He, he's just a, a tiny diaper baby. Kind he of has thing. So, so no time with, to with the think. sex girl patrol. He's yeah. just horny. So the sex girl patrol represents the fulfillment of sexual desire, and Kevin as sex boy is the the desire, like the the necessary elements are the desire <laughs> the and age. the execution. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. You need the horniness <laughs> uh, and the sexiness. You know, as we're talking about this, it occurs to me that I just thought of a better segment, which is the comparison of sexual masculinity between the Donovan <laughs> character in Perks and Kevin's interpretation as weird diaper mm, baby. Yes. I like that yes, inevitably we are trying to bring sense and order to the sex girl patrol universe. <laughs> no, we're trying to bring it to the whole kids in the hall universe. I need you to explain how my boner works, please. <laughs> because that's it, like... Well, there's there's a long there's a long history of portraying male positive sexual um, expression as either funny or hapless, mm. and I, it's it's interesting to see Ke- or like it's either perverted or hapless, and to see Kevin really lean into the like hapless because he's not even really trying to be overly sensual until he's oh also he's greased up the entire time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like the whole time he is lathered in Vaseline I guess. Yeah, he's very shiny. Uh, yeah, he's very, very shiny and moist. And it's not until he has his handcuffs on that he actually makes a decent sex joke. Otherwise, he's just being a weird baby. And in the end montage, somebody pulls his pants off, and he just seems put upon. Well, they, and pu- they pull his just... pants off so they can hit him with the pillow on his bottom. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, something do. else I'd like to just like uh, chat about with this one is like okay. is. Okay, and we we kind of mentioned it before the show, chatting amongst ourselves. But I and, and we and when we were talking about this being OT level seven, but I had this one. It, it, <laughs> it filled such a strong place in my mind, but then watching it this time, it it didn't land as well as I as I had built it up in my mind to be. And I and I'm trying to place why that is. It's exactly, like Head you know? Crusher, you know, like it's very funny the first time you see it. It's very memorable. But like if you mm. watch, it's not it's not like it's a steak, you know. It's not like repeating viewing is gonna make it better. I don't I don't think it's here's here's what it is. Much like salty ham or out of body experiences, the kids in the hall prove to us that you can't go home again. <laughs> I guess so. But it's it's but I mean it's there, there are things that do hold up. Yeah. kind of silliness, you know. Like it's just very mm-hmm. goofy and campy. And it's not like yeah. there's anything deeper than that, right? It's just, yeah. you know, like it's yeah. it's it's a it's a parody, and it, it's funny the first time you see it, but it's not like there's something deep in in your upbringing, or in bringing or your culture, your family that it really is is about. Shout out to Twitter. If this resonates for anyone's family or culture, please let us know immediately. <laughs> and we would like to talk to you for hours. Oh, well, this yeah. actually this actually is a, is a retelling of a Rastafarian myth that's been like updated <laughs> to the current day, actually, is, is what it is. This is actually a bold interpretation of Rashomon. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, there are things that still did hold up. Like, I, I loved the way that when uh, Bruce and Mark are, are congratulating each other for, you know, successfully sexing people in Dusseldorf, that they're way instead of like instead of like a high five they just like touch their chests gently to each other and go Uh, 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 (laughs) like there are there are some things that still got me some like really uh full laughs this time around but i do think you're right trevor that the first time like you see it the just the concept of sex girl patrol is so inherently absurd
absurd that it, you get a lot of laughs out of that. But then once you are aware that Sex Girl Patrol exists, it's harder to get those same laughs. Again. It's the surprise of Sex Girl Patrol that yeah. is so funny. Yeah. And, and, you know, like there's still parts that are in, like fun to watch. Just the weird horniness of Kevin is still like funny on repeat <laughs> viewing. Yes. It, it's not I also did like I did like... I like Scott's uh, henchman priest too. There, it's for, there's there's okay. just something amusing about a henchman priest. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I, I actually wanted to get into that because we saw in uh, Paul Myers' book that Scott was kind of pissed about this one because he was like, oh. why do I have such a minor role in Six Girl Yeah, he, he was like, was it was the gayest the thing we've ever done and I have a minor role and you can't <laughs> imagine how angry I was about it. <laughs> Which I guess, hey, they didn't make I, him a waiter I, at least, you know? I, I kind of thought that he was the highlight of that, like how he walks up over Marx's shoulder in the intro to the villain was really menacing yeah. and like really sold the the kind of trope of the movie to me where it's like, here's the henchman. Totally, yeah. When he, sh- when he shows up in the street rumble and they're like, where are you holding sex boy? And all of the goons point and he just, he doesn't move. He's just like, stop it. <laughs> and he just moves his eyes a little bit. Um, and when he's in the street fight, he has a George Michael faith music video cross earring mm, in mm-hmm. see i i like that to think like, that he's oh, yeah. he's he's still coded as gay because all the rest of the, the church boys drop their bats but he doesn't they have to use their laser eyes on him what, what, what is it called oh. the, the sex sexy sex stare the deadly sex <laughs> deadly, uh, deadly sex look okay yes. deadly yes. sex look yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that. So I was wondering if he was coded as gay or if it was just Scott being the like well, boss because of the goons, so he's he can't also, give up the first. He was also only wearing the giant cross earring out of one ear, I think, too. So I think it was intended yeah, to no, be that, yeah, coded that is as the gay. George, that is the George Michael Faith music video. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it was good. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it is a shame that, that he felt bad about it or he didn't. he wasn't pleased with his... Uh, his placement in that because I, I liked him maybe the best. Yeah, he stood, he I, most, he stood out to me for sure. Yeah, that's most just importantly, theater where was boy Bellini? wanted more more meaty parts. Theater, <laughs> theater boy was giving a big pout because he wanted a meatier part. He got the sex girl patrol yeah. equivalent of a waiter. Yeah, mm. yeah. Ah, bummer. Does anybody else have anything else to say about sex girl patrol? The I best don't know. Thing you I never show what, what is Sex Girl Patrol a parody of? Like, is it Flash Gordon or something? I, I don't. I, what is no, it parody? So I, I, I think I think it's supposed to be like that sci-fi softcore, almost like uh, Flash Gordon yeah. films. Flash yeah. Gordon. <laughs> that's right. That's 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 what I, I meant. Flash Gordon, not Flash Gordon, but that's uh, what it is, yeah. right? Yeah, I think it's it's just like exploitation movies in general. I'm just reading uh, Mark talking about the genesis of Sex Girl Patrol here. And it's basically just he came up with the idea while they were writing for Saturday Night Live with Bruce. And he thought it would make for a funny B-movie parody. And it's hard. And then he discovered it's hard to do when they tried to uh, when they actually tried to film the thing. But Scott deserves a larger role. (laughs) (laughs) You fucked up. You should have let the theater kids do it. Bellini would have saved this. (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah, because you can see that it was kind of rushed when they had, like, the street... They run into the blue note and then immediately run out of the blue note, which to me says they probably wanted to film a scene in there and then just ran out of time or money. <laughs> yeah, like, and, that That was a weird thing, yeah. And after the street fight, it cuts to the la- the layer exploding, and Mark wanders up and his pants are steaming, which tells me he's been subject to the deadly sex mm-hmm. stare as well. Yeah, I saw. I <laughs> thought the it, same thing, yeah. But it it also kind of works in the context of a B movie because then like yeah then he's thwarted by a caveman and that doesn't make any sense so like it's it's all disjointed and cut up and so like yeah you know what your your choice of medium worked for you guys good job mm-hmm. you guys ready to move on yeah yep. yeah best kid worst kid Kalina take us away 
<laughs> I I've got to give this to to sexy Kevin. I, I can't. <laughs> I hate it. But it's all. I think it's also the juxtaposition of of him being um sad, emasculated man in amnesia who is being like emotionally blackmailed by his wife, and then and then just being what? like the embodiment of horniness in the next one. No. Mm. I didn't think he was being emotionally blackmailed. I thought he was just being a passive aggressive shit about this. Well, I mean, she was kind of like just. I mean, I guess maybe less passive aggressive and more most emotionally uh, <laughs> abusive, just like waving a baseball bat at him. I don't know. <laughs> to be fair, he was trying that. to come up with sad sack excuses to like leave his wife instead of having just the courage to be like, "Hey, we should get a divorce." You know, like. But he doesn't even want yeah. a divorce because he wants to come back eventually. He no, just no, wants he wants he wants the ability to come back. Loose women. He wants the ability yeah. to come back eventually. Maybe if well, he wants it is what it wants. And I got the impression too that this is something that he does all of yes, the time. Yes, like yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, but don't get me wrong. Well, I mean, I mean, I would say Scott is obviously a close second because of because of <laughs> him being an emotionally uh, questionable uh, father figure in the Thanksgiving sketch. Mm. It's so good. It is very good. I, I love how he grabs his son's friend by the collar out no provocation <laughs> and is like, oh, I get the neck. Oh, which man. Is an awful cut of that 20 pound bird. Yes, yes. Um, Trevor, how did you feel? Best kid. Okay, they were all very good boys, but if I yeah. have to give one, I, I think I'm going to give it to Mark because clearly he was the driving force of Sex Girl Patrol, and it's one of the more memorable things of the, the, the series, or at least this season. So mm -hmm. it's, it's going to be Mark, but they were all very good. And Sex Girl yeah. Patrol was an ensemble thing, too. I'm just, yeah. I'm just crediting him with being the creative energy behind it. <laughs> The sex power behind Sex Girl Patrol. Yeah, his his horniness and interest in seventies sex exploitation films is the reason that it happened. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, how about you, Hans? Um, yeah, I, I, you know, as far there's not really a worse kid this episode. I don't think there were no 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 bad kids, so that's always nice. No bad, but, no bad kids. Um, I, yeah, I, man, I'm tempted to give it to Kevin, but I, I didn't care for So Says You all that much. Um, so, and, and like, you know, we've talked in the past about like that kind of Kevin character just doesn't really appeal to me as much. Um, <laughs> Kevin's in a relationship he's unhappy with. And so he made, uh, <laughs> and yeah, does, does yeah. nothing but mope about Ke it. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin as like the cloying, uh, like pathetic man, like it, it's just not a character trope that really gets me all that much, but which is a shame because mm. I thought he was actually very, very good in out of body experience. Um, and as sex boy in sex yes. girl patrol. So, um, so it's a, it, I, I would like to give it to Kevin, but I think I'll give it to Scott because, uh, Scott was solid in sex girl patrol as the henchman priest, uh, was excellent as the, the angry dad in the out of body experience and also was amusing in perks. So, you know, I'm surprised nobody wants to talk about perks. Yeah. It was a great, it, I, I thought perks was quite good. Yeah. Um, you, you know, and I, I looked up this episode to see who were the non kid members yeah. and none of them are credited. Like oh. the, um, the woman interviewing the director is not credited and Donovan's not credited. And I would, it would yeah. suck because on the IMDb, the picture for this episode is a picture of Donovan. Mm. Oh. <laughs> oh, poor Donovan. I, I'm sure know, that right? time has not been kind to Donovan, but. I don't know about that. No, he's going to be unnaturally handsome forever. Yeah, he's going to be, he's going to be one of these like Bob Barker, silver haired foxes until he's like 106. 
That is such a weird reference to make for a silver fox. <laughs> like, what? Who, who, who what? Is Ted Bob, Danson Bob is, Barker. is... Bob Barker is... Ted like, Danson he, is, is the benchmark silver fox. Hans, yeah. Hans, okay, has sure. a, Hans has his trap door in his new attic where it's just Bob Barker photos. <laughs> excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Did Have you not seen any old... Like, Price is Right, he, women <laughs> threw themselves at Bob Barker. <laughs> threw themselves at so him. Much. Hans, your sex girl patrol... Murder's gonna be amazing <laughs> when you eventually inevitably make one. I'm just Someone saying for how Bob old Barker for how old he was, he he aged very well. Bob Barker, well done. <sighs> is he All dead? Right. Is he dead? Uh, I'm gonna give it to Dave, just because <laughs> oh, no yeah, one right. talked about Dave. I really liked him in Emergency Room. Emergency Practical Room, Joker, Practical Jokers was a very good sketch, and I get the sense it was a Dave sketch. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and like mm-hmm. I, he, yeah, and he does that thing where the laughter is just like kind of cruel and gross. Like he makes the practical Joker seem just malicious and awful, and yeah. then he dies, and that's really <laughs> funny to me. <laughs> and also, I I loved him in Sex Girl Patrol. I just thought all of his reactions were by far the best. Mm-hmm. He like what, the little like eye w- yeah he was that he, he does he was the the very ditzy of the sex girl patrol because he like he he doesn't know what he's doing even as he's doing it when he comes in with a VHS <laughs> oh, yeah, and it's, it's like what what is it, it? I, 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 I don't know <laughs> which is funny because usually the ditz is Bruce so I, I I was really into that I like that yeah I, I I interpreted the the of the sex girl patrols Bruce was like the leader and uh Maybe Mark was like the the tactical mastermind, and then mm. Dave was the dumb one. Yep, I, but <laughs> it's a sex girl patrol. You gotta have some different tropes, I guess. You, you need a ditz. You need a ditz. You need a ditz. It's me on this show. Oh. Anyway, I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> you, <laughs> you sexy himbo. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, Okay, do we want to do standout sketch? Yes, let's do it. Quick, quick round, quick round. Lightning round. Kalina, you're the one who has the time constraints. I know. (laughs) So quick, quick. (laughs) Quick, quick. Oh, what do you think, Kalina? What was your favorite? I I know this is not going to be a popular uh, thought, but Hospital Practical Joker was hilarious. Like you liked it? Yeah, he just the, the way he chuckles, where he's like, <laughs> and he just continues to I die. Like the second one where where the blood pours out of his mouth. When oh he's yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the way he like knows that they're going to give him a, a chest shock, so he pours his bedpan pee just all over the floor. Oh, so and the then guy he, looked- <laughs> Yeah, and then at the end, he orders 10 pizzas. (laughs) To the operating room, which I love, too. Very good. I I loved it. That that is one that you definitely can show someone who knows nothing about Kids in the Hall, and they'll laugh. Yeah, I... I will give it to Emergency Room Practical Joker as well because I didn't remember it, and I was heartily laughing the entire time I was watching it. Mm. How about you, Hans? Oh, man. This is honestly tough. Um... I had in my own little notes, I had both Practical Joker and Out of Body Experience kind of similarly, similarly up there. Um, but you know what? I'll give it to Sex Girl Patrol, even though it didn't land for me as much as it would have. Like that's that's just because I'm not coming to it from fresh eyes. But it is still, I think, an iconic uh, Kids in the Hall sketch. So the um, world would be a worse place without Sex Girl Patrol. Yeah, like I don't think uh, you know it's it. Even if it didn't get as many laughs out of me this time as as it may have the first time I saw it, like it is. 
it is a sketch that is like one of the ones that they are known for and it's like it's the kind of boundary pushing weird like what the fuck was that sketches that like that mm-hmm. made, that made the kids in the hall the kids in the hall so even though even though this episode i laughed more at some of the other ones i'll still give i'll still give my standout sketch to sex girl patrol hell yeah i'll pitch one to out of body experience so that mom didn't die for nothing <laughs> <laughs> well All she right, didn't die that's... but the other mom that had the fridge fall on her <clears throat> might have yeah She's our. I like that the way to revive a person who is choking to death is not the Heimlich, but to instead inspire them that their house is not clean enough and that they need to go rescue their neighbor. I did like that when she was a ghost, she was trying to dust the top of the chandelier. Oh, and like, oh, so sad. Yeah. Oh, so and she sees that her husband's getting bolder, and that's like the first thing she mentions to him when she comes back to her body. To like, you're getting bald. Oh, God. All right, well, that's it for our episode five review. Join us next week for episode six, which will be hosted by Trevor. Trevor! Yeah, yeah, I got it right. Good, right on. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at Kith and Tell Pod. Wait on your favorite sketch, enjoy some delightful gifts. Thank you for listening to Kith and Tell. Bye! Bye bye.